Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I want to welcome everybody today to the Librarian Influencers Podcast, and I'm very excited to have Casey Boyd with us today. So Casey, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background with the libraries. Sure thing. And thank you again for um, inviting me to participate today. Yes. Um, This is my 23rd year working in school libraries. Awesome. And uh, I was initially brought to the field by my late father, who was a career educator uh, with uh, Chicago Public Schools. And he was the one who said that you would be an excellent librarian because coming out of college, um, I was on a different career path. And when things kind of stalled a little bit, that's when my father kind of swooped in and said, hey, I think this is what you should be doing instead. And I'm glad I listened to him. Um, I have had a wonderful experience working in school libraries my entire professional career um, in this field. And it's been very rewarding, enlightening. Uh, and just plain fun, you know, uh, I've worked at the elementary, middle, high school, and administrative levels, and um, through working at school libraries, I've had a tremendous amount of uh, opportunities that have been afforded to me. So it's been a very rich experience, and it's been uh, just very um, uh, enlightening and eye-opening as a whole. Uh, just out of curiosity, since you've worked at so many different levels, do you have a favorite? Is there one that you kind of find yourself drawn back to? I'm drawn uh, to middle school where I'm working right now. And I always miss working in administration. Mm -hmm. And it's not so much that I'm away from the kids. It's more so that the type of programming that I work on can influence more kids and they can impact them um, Mm -hmm. more than anything else. And that's what I miss is that just, just being able to service more children at the same time. Yeah. So it's a, it's a dead heat, you know, administration and middle school. Yeah, I I can totally understand that. So where are you working in a library right now? What state are you from? I'm um, well, I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois. Okay. But um, I eventually transplanted myself into the uh, Washington, D.C. area. So I work for the District of Columbia Public School System. Nice. And I have been doing this now. This is year four. And uh, it's been a very interesting uh, experience working for D.C. Public School System. Um, currently, their state requirements are master's and graduate certification from a school library accredited program or an MLIS from an accredited graduate school. So uh, all of us that are working in our uh, prospective schools, we have uh, certification in library information science. So we are trained and licensed librarians. Awesome, that's wonderful. Is that actually an actual requirement for the state or not the state, sorry, the district? I know, I had to get used to that too, you know. Uh, Yes, it is a requirement, uh, just like there's a certification requirement for other disciplines you know, throughout the uh, the district in terms of positions. But yes, they do recognize that they do need a, um, a certified librarian um, on paper, but we'll kind of talk about that a little bit later in the conversation a little bit. But that's the requirement. But um, they are very, uh, very much so strict on that. Um, 
we have a lot of library schools in this area, in the DMV area, and that's the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. So there's a lot of opportunities for employment in the areas of school libraries. So if you don't want to work for DC, you can go to Virginia, Maryland, and you can find employment easily. Very, very, very good. All right, so you had um, your real first year was several years ago, but so do you have some memories from that you want to share with us or maybe even as first years as you transition to DC? Well, my fir- very first year working in school libraries, you're saying? Well, Well, I have vivid memories of those first couple of years um, working at the uh, uh, my very first school. It was on the southwest side of the city in Chicago, uh, a little school called Copernicus. It's since then been renamed. Um, And it was a small school, about 500 kids. So um, I was the K through eighth grade librarian and eventually became the pre-K through eighth grade librarian. So (laughs) Um, it, it was a classroom-sized library, meaning that it was w- once a, uh, a classroom, and they converted it into a library okay. located on the second floor, um, moderately sized uh, collection, size collection for the population that was served, uh, and it just had not had any attention in several years. So the principal was eager to hire me because she recognized the value of a school librarian, and she wanted a librarian for the kids. So um, that was really um, an interesting experience because though they wanted a school librarian, they didn't realize what they were actually getting in a certified librarian. And there is a really big difference Uh in wanting to have a librarian and a certified librarian. So I came through the door with a lot of of my formalized um, instruction trying to make change. And I kind of had some uh, knocked, we knocked heads on a couple occasions, mm. but it was a it, it was a situation where both of us were learning from one another. Principal was learning from me, I was learning from her, and we were learning how to meet each, meet each other in the middle. Yeah, very very important. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so if you could send some advice back to your your younger professional self, what what would you have told yourself back then? Oh, just to be patient. Things don't happen overnight, um, and everyone is not going to get school libraries, uh, period. It it does take on our part as practitioners to do some educating and re-educating of the educator. Yeah. (laughs) And it it does, it takes a tremendous lot of patience and you're dealing with stereotypes, what people think the program is supposed to be and trying to clear up that confusion and showing by example and by doing and other examples outside of a school that this is how a really great robust program can work and how I can service kids. And so it just takes time and a lot of patience. Good point. All right. So right now, what kind of situation are the DC DC schools in? Are y'all face to face yet or still doing remote or? We're very fortunate. We are a hundred percent remote. Um, There's talks of us going back to a hybrid in um situation um in november but you know the 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 verdict is still out on that one right now um we're also very blessed and fortunate because um some school districts have totally closed their library programming or they've moved librarians into other positions we really worked as a collective group of librarians very hard since march of 2020 to demonstrate how valuable 
our services, our skill base, and just us as importance um, as practitioners in the building are to our school buildings. And we change the the viewpoint, the narrative, the trajectory, you know, on many levels. So we are in a 100% virtual environment and we're supporting our teachers. Okay. And in some cases we are um, teaching classes uh, at our elementary level or at our middle and high school levels. We are really pushing into those classrooms okay. and we're supporting instruction. And that's not to say the elementary teachers are not. They are doing that too. And they also are carrying classes, but we're all doing this work together and it's really making a difference. That's great. So what do you find yourself doing the most right now? Um, I find myself identifying material that would be best used by my teachers that is in response to the, their projects and their, um, their activities that are taking place in their class classes. In addition to that is identifying resources that will support uh, learning that uh, where kids are struggling in various areas to help uh, teach those lessons that it'll, it'll have more of a meaningful experience for them. And sometimes the, you know, some tools that are tech tools that are out here are great. And then there's some that just don't fit with your particular school group. And so knowing the difference okay. and then providing some training and understanding for teachers as well as students so that they can be fully versed along with our parents. All right. Mm -hmm. That's great. Okay, well, I, I named this podcast a year ago, Librarian Influencers, because I really want the librarians to realize the influence they have on the campus. I mean, their, their possibility for impact is just huge. So let's talk a little bit about how you see your librarian influence. It could be your campus or maybe the DC in general. How do you see librarians having an influence? I am of the belief and, and just pra practice that the school librarian is the great equalizer in K-12 education. Okay. I'm a firm believer in this because we are, are those equity ch champions and we are really working, we really work hard to provide resources and materials so that all students can engage in mm -hmm. and they can um, access uh, material fairly and equitable, you know, um, where no child is left behind. Mm -hmm. And I feel that the influence that we have is that we are that go-to person that, you know, if a, a child gets stumped or a child needs extra support, then, you know, the kids, the parents, the teachers, they know that they can reach out to us with, you know, even the smallest of problem, smallest of question, and we can provide that support for them. So I believe that that's the influence that we have greatly is that it's not just technology integration as we obviously would think right now because we're in a virtual environment, but it's also in that literacy piece. You know, um, many believe that because we're not in a traditional brick and mortar, where we're not needed, but um, identifying, you know, eBooks, you know, that kids can really get engaged in, mm -hmm. in the virtual world is, is uh, also somewhat challenging. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, librarians are up for the challenge and we are able to service those kids properly and those families. And it's not just my students, my grade level students. I view it more so that I am servicing the entire family. 
I mean, younger children, older children, parents, grandparents in the home looking for material to read to try and buy at the time by because these are not easy times as you and I both know that we're experiencing. And reading has been a great outlet for a lot of people, you know. And so that's the that great influence that we have on our families is that we just integrate and we bring those those uh, those uh, literacy and technology tools to the surface and we just provide it for our parents awesome. and our, our families. Very beautiful. Very well said. I, I agree with you on all of that. Mm -hmm. now, Casey, you're, you are very well known um, in the library world and I know there's some things that you're real passionate about. So let's talk a little bit about like school library advocacy. I know that's a big thing to you. Um, so talk a little bit about um, your role in, in that. Uh, I accidentally got into this area <laughs> of work <laughs> and um, and many believe, believe that my personality is extremely domineering and actually is not. I'm a very introverted and shy person, but what has happened in years of working in the field in different schools and different districts and principals is that I began to get very angry mm. um, okay. because... Um, the, 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 the view of the program, how it can be dismissed sometimes, and how it, it, it's disregarded in some cases, and how the kids really miss out on a wonderful experience. Yeah. I grew up in suburban Chicago. I had a wonderful public and school library experience. And I just want the same for my students that I service. Right. And when I see that they're not receiving that type of service, it just makes me extremely angry and frustrated. And I start speaking up and out about it. And I'm glad I've done it because um, uh, it has made some differences um, along the way. It's made a horde of people very angry with me at the district level. Oh. And I'm at the point in my career where I really don't care anymore. <laughs> if you feel that way, it's just that I'm calling you out on what you should be doing mm -hmm. and informing parents that they need to be more aware that mm -hmm. you need to be observant as to what your school district is doing, you know? Um, and then, you know, here's the main premise is that regardless of a child's zip code, all children deserve the same library programming support, professional uh, uh, certified librarian, mm -hmm. a practitioner who's knowledgeable about the topic that, that he or she is um, 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 working in the program that they're administering. And with a combination of these two things, that it, the program could be very dynamic mm -hmm. and the kids deserve it most importantly. Right. So I, I'm very, very, very vocal in this area and rightfully so. You know, I want to continue to be that, that, that um, beacon and vocal uh, person for kids. Yeah. When you're looking, when you look back at some of the things that you've done, is there anything that is most personally rewarding to you that, that you've been able to do or be a part of? Um, yeah, I always go back to Mayor Daly Book Club program. I was the program director for that uh, program, which serviced about 4,000 kids on throughout the city of Chicago it was an after-school book club program. Okay. And we did a lot of really interesting things throughout the year, but our culminating event at the end of the year, which was a spring conference where we brought in authors and had a full day of activities for kids as related around literacy. Mm -hmm. 
just the materials, the book, the free books I got for the kids, as well as the, you know, being very versatile. And mm-hmm. every year we had a different type of author coming in, you know, and the kids walked away from that conference with like, with tons of books. Mm-hmm. I'm really proud of that because kids really do appreciate those type of programs. Not every kid is an athlete. Yeah. You know, and here you had a kid who was interested in books that had something that was designed specifically for them. For them. You're right. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm, I'm really proud of that type of work that I've done. That's awesome. Yeah. I have, we have a local library and where I live is down on the Texas Mexico border. So all mm-hmm. the way down at the bottom and we have a, a local librarian that started a border book bash. And it's, again, it's aimed at the same kind of population you're talking about, you know, a very, impoverished area they don't have access to a lot and that's what she does she brings in authors and has lots of book giveaways and things for them and uh, it's it's a very wonderful experience you know for everybody who's able to participate in that that's awesome we you never know who we are teaching you know we never know who is sitting in front of us so what they're going to be yeah. you know in 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 time and you want them to have that that wonderful memory of Wow, I was through my library program. I experienced this, 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 and this. You know, you want them to say that and and have those great memories. And and through libraries, it can be easily be done. We just have to fund it and we have to support it. Right, right. And when you're talking about you know getting angry about different things, I know some of the some of the things I would be mad about you know in the past because uh, again I was in a very impoverished area also when I was working in the library it led me to do a lot of grant writing, you know, if they weren't going to fund it for me, you know, then it drove me to go out and seek funds and alternate ways to be able to provide services um, that I thought, you know, our kids needed to have down here. So Mm -hmm. definitely. Okay. So a lot of my audience is early career librarians. And so, you know, they hear the word advocacy and they may not really have a good grasp of that yet. So what kind of steps would you suggest to like our one to three year librarians? I would really encourage them to just perfect their craft. Okay. And it, it's, it, it's imperative that they do this because, you know, um, just like a classroom teacher, it takes them like anywhere between three to five years to get their real groove going in the classroom where they have a very smooth program. It's the same thing with school librarians in, the, in, in many respects. The curriculum across the country and also with any school districts, they're changing from day to day, year to year to year. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to be a flexible, we have to be flexible, we have to adapt, mm-hmm. and we have to be able to integrate our skills uh, best we can, you know, in facilitating learning mm-hmm. in any setting. And so I, I feel like those first couple of years, you really do need to focus on your your foundation of your program then from there i feel that at the same time you can also do a little advocating you can say hey look i have a group of kids that are not reading on level however they are interested in books that deal with exotic animals for example it would be so helpful if i had a small collection of high interest low level books that will meet their personal needs. And that's a level of advocacy that you can do for your kids, you know, when you talk to your administrators about funding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of times with advocacy, it doesn't always get tied in with money. It can be just service. It could be time spent and, and it could be scheduling yeah. in your library program 
um, you know, just also advocating for the program uh, through different school-based events. Like, for example, we had our um, back-to-school night earlier this week. And as I mentioned to you before, mm-hmm. um, I was not able to participate for, due to personal reasons. And um, instead of just saying, oh, I'm going to take the L and not going to be there, I sent a recording. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in a virtual environment. I still sent a recording with a PowerPoint and it was five minutes long. And I, I had a couple of slides in there and I explained some things on each slide. That's a way of advocating for yourself. Even when you can't be in the room, still have your presence be, be, be heard, be felt by parents and always always, always make sure that you leave the door open where your parents can contact you and they feel comfortable mm-hmm. in contacting you. Mm-hmm. No question is ever too small or silly. Yeah. I entertain all questions because you never know where those questions will lead us. Right. Good point. Mm-hmm. And I'm still thinking back to like your Chicago stories and it sounds like a similar area for mine. And part of my advocating at that point was having library open at different times than the school day um, so that those families could come in you know I would I would go on the weekends you know I would open early or go back in the early evening um, there's there's all kinds of different ways you can you know advocate for your your program in general so. but you know the other thing about that is that being very observant about the needs of your not, uh, this wonderful number of public libraries in the city of Chicago, mm-hmm. where a lot of our students went to after school. But oh. here's the problem. They were open late, many of them, but the problem came in is that kids had to cross gang lines in order to get to them. Yeah. And because crossing gang lines could be very, very dangerous for them, this is why having a school library staying open late into the evening excuse me, was extremely important because they had access to equipment, material, resources. And, and um, I feel like when, when we are very conscious about what our students are saying and sometimes not saying, we can really provide some great support for them. Mm -hmm. You just got to be observant and keep your eyes open and sometimes listen without commenting. Yeah. That's what I always did. I sat behind my circulation desk and I ear hustled. <laughs> so that's how I knew what was going on with the kids. That's a good phrase. I ha- I'm not familiar with that, but that's a good mm-hmm. way to say that. All right. Well, Casey, how, how is it, where do you go to, to keep learning and to stay sharp and, uh, and keep perfecting your craft even after all these years? Um, I am a big user of Instagram and Twitter. And even though this is my 23rd year of working in the field, regardless of that, I take, I I just go, I just take, uh, you know, every day is a new experience that I can learn something new. So I'm constantly reading, constantly looking at things online um, and just discovering new people to follow you know, people who are hot per se, they're doing something that's really innovative. And sometimes those people are doing doing things that are very quiet. But I, but I, but knowing my program very well, and that also the deficiencies and the, and the things that my students needs, yeah. that really is a driving force in me looking for things online okay. to help support my learning. So yeah, of course we have AASL's Knowledge Quest. We have all the resources through ALSK. You know, we could go to Yalsa, get a lot of support, but 
and we, of course, are state library organizations and everything, but I find that sometimes a quick question I post on Instagram or either Twitter or to a hashtag saying how to effectively integrate Nearpod and Microsoft Teams, how you troubleshoot this issue. Mm-hmm. I promise you, if in like like 30 minutes to an hour, you get a response from somebody. That's amazing. If you use the correct hashtag, you know, because <laughs> you have people that want to help you, mm-hmm. but you have to ask the question properly and know where to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I treat this like, you know, like I said, I've been doing this 23 years. It doesn't mean I know everything. I don't. I'll be the first one to tell you. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning as we, as we move on. And when you take that attitude, it's going to help you um, be a better practitioner in the work that you do. Very good. All right. Well, I know that you are very active on social media. So tell our listeners where they can find you, where are they going to be able to connect and learn from you? You can find me at boss underscore librarian. And I'm pretty certain you're going to put this in the show notes, but uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I have uh, uh, have pages that are, after my uh, nickname, boss underscore librarian. I do have a website, which is caseyboyd.com. And I have a blog. I need to blog to it a little more often, but it's called (laughs) the audacious librarian.blogspot.com. So I do have um, some resources uh, and tools that I use to express myself out there in the field. So you can normally find me in those areas. And I will warn you if you follow me on Instagram, because I have a lot of parents and sometimes vendors that, follow me i have made my page private so if i can't tell you you're a librarian okay one of my parents or an educator then i generally don't allow you on my page so you might want to inbox me or either put something in your bio that says hey i'm an educator or i'm a librarian and then that's when i'll let you on the page so with your instagram do you consider it more of like your professional instagram or are you showcasing things with your school how do you of course I have got to keep my personal social media separate from my, um, my, my professional, you know, my my personal is definitely for family and friends. Mm -hmm. The professional really ranges on me showing that, like you just said, Mm -hmm. those examples of my work and what kids are doing and just showing what happens in the day-to-day life of working in my world as a middle school librarian and also the things that I'm passionate about and advocating for. So you'll see that on a lot of my pages. Okay. Well, great. Well, Casey, it's been awesome talking to you today. Thank you for your time. And I hope that our audience um, chooses their favorite social media platform and starts following you and learning from you because you've got a lot to share with our profession. And we really appreciate that about you. So oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me today. And, and I really enjoy uh, supporting platforms like this because when you're first starting off as a school librarian, it can be very scary. Yeah. <laughs> and you need as many levels of support as you can to, you know, in those first couple of years. Yeah. So you can be successful. And I think that if you, like you and I had a tool like this, we would probably be much better off than we were, um, you know, when we first got started. So, yeah. yeah, so this is a really good thing. And so thank you again for inviting me. You're welcome. Have a great day and appreciate your time today. Bye-bye. Alrighty, take care. Bye-bye.